Hello, everyone, as I have a coughing fit. Uh, welcome to Wine, Women, and Words. I'm Michelle, and Diana is with me, of course, as always. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, I, um, I said hello, too. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm being very quiet. Tonight, you get to see Diana's impersonation of a mine. Oh, no. We can't have that. That's a, an hour of, of way too much talking for me. <laughs> That'll be drinking for me. <laughs> I love your glasses. I never see you with your glasses on. I like, do, do I? No, I feel like I don't. Well, I decided to go nerdy librarian today. I had glasses that I actually need. No, I don't need them, but I should use them if I'm using the computer. But uh, dog eat them. So. Ah, yeah. Fizzgig did that with my last pair of glasses. Um, so for about a year, I walked around with little teeth marks in my glasses because <laughs> I didn't have the money to buy new glasses. Um, so yeah, the dog stayed very far away from these this pair. And I also got the protection so that if the dog were to do that again, I wouldn't have an issue. It's probably what I should have done, but... I foolishly thought that hard plastic objects like glasses were safe. <laughs> no. Yeah, first time dog owner. They get you every time. Well, I had cats before that, and cats they they don't care. They don't they don't touch your stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, dogs care. They're like, oh, that smells like you. You're gonna leave me for work? Mm. Yeah, I'm gonna take your glasses. I'll show you, bitch. I will destroy our life. Yes. Dogs are passive aggressive like that. River ate a hole in his crate. Like it's completely the the hard plastic lining on the bottom of his crate. Like he has a blanket in there and he has toys and he just he ate a hole in <laughs> I don't even know what, what happened to the plastic. Yeah, it's probably in his poop. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, I came home to mess up uh, trash this morning, this afternoon, so I totally feel you. I don't know. Like, I kind of am convinced that um, he would be fine if we left him out of the crate while we were gone. But and my husband is nodding his agreement. But I just don't want to risk coming home and finding, like, our couch is eaten or something. <laughs> But anyway, we are on our last week of our month, our March book, which is uh, The Good Girls Revolt. And I have my copy, but it's all the way over there drying off because my dog spilled a glass of water on it, which is kind of like tantamount to like death. <laughs> it's okay. It's water. It's water that'll dry. You'll still be able to read it. It's not like it was wine or um the dog chewed on it now that would be unforgivable that would earn yeah. the dog some serious crate time yeah no it, it is fine it's just the back it was flipped over so when it spilled it got the back and i i flipped through it far enough to know that the water didn't seep down any further past the acknowledgments so he's lucky but <laughs> I'm letting it dry right now. So um, we will be having Lynn on our show this Sunday. Uh, we'll be having kind of a special 
extra episode in between our weeks. Um, so she'll be on this Sunday at uh, six or seven p.m. your time, nine p.m. my time. And I just realized I have been saying six p.m. the whole time, and it is not. It is seven. Seven p.m. Pacific time. Yeah, I, I'm home that day, so I'll be, you know, doing chores for most of the day. Uh, actually, getting some gardening done. So we need to be earlier. We can totally be earlier. I will not be home. I am going on a date with my husband to go see Beauty and the Beast. Oh, how exciting! I, I know. Can't wait for you to see it. I am so excited. He's oh my god! Okay, I'm going to warn you now. From the beginning, I was teary-eyed. I was doing this number, and like I had my head on my husband's shoulder, swooning oh. half the time. And he's not a Beauty and the Beast fan, and he's definitely not a musical fan. And he's like, this totally counts for a chick flick, doesn't it? Because he only has to watch three of them a year with me. And this is number two. And he's like, this counts as a chick flick. You, you know that, right? You do know this. And I'm like, okay, yes, okay. it's so worth it. It's so worth it. And then halfway through, he leans over, and he's like, you know, our trip to France is not going to be anything like this. You do know that, right? And I responded back, challenge accepted. <laughs> I'm going to figure out somehow how to record a song for you. I won't email. I'll, I'll pro or I won't sing it. I'll probably lip sync it. <laughs> but I'm going to record it and email it to you when you're in France. And you just have to play it when you're out somewhere with him. To be like, I just happened to break out, you know, my my sister lives in Strasbourg, and that's, we're going to go see her, and um, if you saw, if you follow me on Instagram, you'll see the picture of it, and it looks like the storybook town where Beauty and the Beast was, and she's just down the river from the actual town that inspired Beauty and the Beast, so if I break out randomly into song, that's perfectly okay, I'm just going to be that crazy American. Um, <laughs> Please yeah, do it. I'm totally going to be breaking out into song and it's going to be like Beauty and the Beast and then we're going to go over to Germany for a day and it's going to be like the movie Beer Fest um, complete with hot cheese soup flying through the air <laughs> and at some point you're going to have to find a way to work in Scotty doesn't know just for me oh we will we will, <laughs> we will. I will take record Ryan and I will record Scotty doesn't know Somewhere in Paris. Now the key is, I'm learning French, so if I can do it in French, that'll be extra special. Those are bonus points. Right? So this week, um, we're, we're both, like, I just woke up from putting Lily down, and Diana has had a rough week, I gather. So we're both kind of like giddy on, oh, let's talk about nerdy stuff for a little while. Yeah, I need wine and book therapy, really, when it comes down to it. So this week, we are talking about our to-be-read lists, which is basically, you know, that could be, you know, a two-hour discussion each, <laughs> but we're narrowing it down, and needless to say, I can pretty much... Every single book that we have scheduled for Wine, Women, and Words is obviously a book I am excited to read, but I didn't pick them because we're going to be spending a month talking about them. I picked <laughs> one that we're 
that's going to potentially, we haven't gotten confirmation yet from the author, but it's going to potentially be one of our books in the fall. But I'm really, really looking forward to this book so much so that I might read it before we actually read it here. Oh, that's fair. So that, that was just a disclaimer in case anyone, especially any authors, if they're watching and I don't mention their books, it's not because I am excited about reading or I'm not excited about reading your book. It's because we're going to be talking about it a whole bunch. And a whole month. And if you follow our Instagram account, I post a whole lot of pictures and I spend a whole lot of time talking about it. So. I post a lot on mine. I'm just really bad about um, re-gramming them over to our Wine Women Awards account. But I need to start doing that again. But I've been, see, when I start writing something new and start really focusing on something new, I have a tendency to introvert. Um, so you don't see me as much on like social media and, and in other places or going out much unless my husband drags me out of the house, um, which he has been known to do. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, I haven't been on, on much lately, but you should see more of me soon, hopefully, with some of our books coming on, coming up. Yeah, we have some good, good books coming. Next month is going to be a good month. Next month, we are trying something new mm -hmm. uh, next month. So we uh, will be taking on Zelda Fitzgerald next month. And what we are going to do, we have each read a historical fiction book about Zelda Fitzgerald. Um, Diana has read Z, which is the book that the Amazon series is based on by Therese Ann Fowler. Mm -hmm. And I have read Guests on Earth by Lee Smith. So what we're going to do next month is we're going to switch. Um, I'll be reading Z and Diana will be reading Guests on Earth, um, which Guests on Earth isn't actually about Zelda Fitzgerald. Um, it, and I think that's what is what makes it really interesting for our show because she's kind of like a, um, a supporting character. She just happens to be where our main character is. Um, but she's a still a pretty prominent figure. And then at the end of the month, we will actually be bringing both authors on the show to do kind of like a round table about Zelda. And so, a, basically a 1920s party. Pretty much. So start researching your 1920s cocktails. Because mm -hmm. uh, <coughs> that might be the one time that I venture away from wine for the show. And, you know, costumes are encouraged, but not mandatory. I might go with champagne that night. I'm thinking because of the, um, you know, the champagne was quite popular. And I think she drank a lot of champagne, especially when she was in France. I think she didn't drink a lot, period. Woman after my own heart. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of drinking, what are you drinking tonight, Michelle? Tonight, oh, the bottle's all the way over there. Um, I am drinking this. Um, it is a cat. No, it's just it's a red blend um, by Apothecary. It's called Apothecary. Apothecary. Like I'll forget it. Hold on. You. What are you drinking? You go. You go first. Okay, I go first. Okay. Um, I went with Josefina, a rosé from Paso Robles. It's from San Antonio Wineries. And I'm actually really enjoying it. I have to be really careful. Oh, I'm sorry. It's a 
Sierra Rosé. So it's not a pure rosé, I guess. Um, apparently it's a rosé, but yet also has some different qualities to it, which I'm actually quite happy about because for some reason, rosés, they give me um, a headache after I drink them. So I have to be really careful with which ones I choose. And <coughs> perhaps because this one is a blend, I'm doing okay with it. It's from San Antonio wineries. And frankly, as far as I'm concerned, if it comes from San Antonio winery, it's all good. I love oh. their wines. Um, their sparkling berry wine, um, that gets me into trouble. That is the result of why of my New Year's Eve was that wine <laughs> that I drink by myself. Two whole bottles. So I was close. It um, it's a red blend by Apothic Crush. It's called. Ooh. Um, I think I've had other um, blends of Apothic. Yeah, I know I've had them before. I, I've definitely never had the Crush before, mm -hmm. and it's pretty good. I think I'm liking it. I've been super into red wines lately, and um, usually I don't really. I like whites better. Um, so I think I might be switching back pretty soon because the weather's supposed to warm up now. So I'm ready for light, warm weather white wines. I love a white wine with, um, a white wine sangria. White wine peach sangria is so good. That sounds delicious. I like spritzers. Mm. Why do spritzer I like that? Where you have the actual club soda in the wine, right? Right. Okay, I had the white trash version of that growing up. You see, when I was a kid, and kids, this is what happens when you're an Italian. Um, my uncle Mario used to like to pour wine into our sodas. So I grew up on a mixture of red wine and Coca-Cola. Uh, I get, it was like half and half, I kid you not. Um, and this was, you know, what I would have with my with my Sunday dinners at my aunt's house. So that was my idea of a spritzer. So, I mean, to the point where when my Uncle Mario died, my husband and I went out to dinner. My husband picked me up, took me out, took me out to dinner at Olive Garden. We got one glass of wine and a couple of sodas, and we split the glass of wine between the two sodas in, in memory of him. Um, but yeah, that was my idea of a spritzer. So that's why I like to call my, my white trash spritzer. That counts. Yeah. So that's what we're drinking. And I really want one night, um, we have to work on setting this up, but I really would love someone who knows wine to come mm -hmm. on to the show one night and do like a virtual wine tasting class. I think that would be so much fun. Yes. So if any of you are out there listening who are able to do that, please hit us up. You know where to find us on social media. Yes. I think that'd be lovely. So are right, now on to our favorite, our books that we're most looking forward to, which yes. to be read list is pretty um, tumultuous. I mean, right now I'm still working on my bookcase, which is probably what I'll be doing on Sunday to get out the chores. Um, so for me, I just have these stacks. I have a stack of books that I've read and I've got a stack of books that I need to read because I have run out of room for books in my office already, which really wasn't that hard to do. 
And I kid you not, the other day I took a, I was like, I need a book to read before I go to sleep. And then when I took a book off my to be read list and I was like, oh my God, oh my God, there's one less book. Wow. I, I don't know what to do with myself. I'm going to run out of books soon. And then I was like, oh crap, there's like, let's see, there's seven, there's nine books currently in that pile alone. Um, so yeah, I, I've come into the hoarding phase of my book world. <laughs> I saw a, a meme somewhere on Facebook that was like, at this point, I don't know if I'm buying books to read them or just collect them. Like, <laughs> your story. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, yeah, before it was nice to have when I was really into ebooks because I could buy as many books as I wanted and my husband would never notice. Um, <laughs> but now I have my own room and he doesn't come in here very often, so he'll never notice until they actually start to fall out of the room. That, that's when we'll have a problem. Yeah, we just, we finally um, cleaned out the guest room, the uh, fourth bedroom, yeah, uh, upstairs, and we bought like a, an armchair and a sofa to go in it, so we're kind of like turning it into like a reading room, I guess. And I was like, we could get more bookshelves. I could get more books. <laughs> So. I totally want to get more bookshelves, but I got this, got this gorgeous bookcase that um, at one point it was black, completely painted black. It was this gorgeous cherry wood, and the tenants that lived here before, two tenants ago, um, they painted it purple. That's and awful. yeah, this room here was a sixteen-year-old girl's bedroom, and it was painted the most obnoxious shade of purple, because you know, sixteen-year-old girl. And they painted the bookcase as well. And then after that, a bunch of guys moved in. And they thought it was a really good idea to paint over the pink. And they painted it black with white trim. Because apparently they were Raiders fans. Oh. And since we moved in two years ago, because um, this, this is a family house. And we have been working on getting this paint off for the past two years. And I'm at the point now where I actually can kind of see an end in sight. My new, one and only New Year's resolution is to finish this before the end of the year. And some days I feel like I can accomplish it. Some days I can't. So we'll see by the end of this weekend how close I feel to actually being able to finish it. I believe in you. Yeah, so I can't buy any more bookcases. <coughs> so I just have random stacks of books everywhere. It's not a bad thing. No, no, there could be worse things I could collect. Yeah. Like porcelain dolls. That's like, in the middle of the night. Socks. Do you remember that, that sock guy from Universal Studios? <laughs> <laughs> You've got some nice socks there, little miss. I was wearing a pair of knee socks that said platform nine and three quarters on it that I borrowed. I think it like totally good like hot topic. Yeah, they were hot topic socks. They're nothing special. And I well I ended up stealing them, I guess, from my friend because it was shortly before we moved and they got caught up in the clothes that got packed and now they're here in Chicago and she was <laughs> in, exactly, she was in San Diego. Um, but anyway, I was wearing these knee-high socks that said platform nine and three quarters and this total stranger walked up to me and was like, those are some nice socks. I collect socks. Those are nice socks. <laughs> Okay. He was with you at the time, wasn't he? Yeah, that was awkward. 
<laughs> yeah. Don't go up socks. Don't do it. <laughs> From now on, I think my husband's number one compliment to you is going to be, hey, nice socks. I try. Yeah. yeah. My socks tonight are pretty awesome. They're fuzzy and warm. But anyway, would you like to do one of the first books on your list? I would love to. The first book on my list is a book that I feel like I've been waiting forever and ever and ever to come out. And it finally came out this month. And it's Girl in Disguise by Greer McAllister. She wrote um, The Magician's Lie, which I absolutely loved. And Girl in Disguise... I'm going to try to read each of these um, premises to you as we go through. Uh, for the first female <coughs> detective, respect is hard to come by. Danger, however, is not. Right there. Totally get it. In the tumultuous years of the, years of the Civil War, the streets of Chicago offer a woman mostly danger and ruin unless that woman is Kate Horn, the first female Pinkerton detective, and despite... Desperate Widow with a knack of for manipulation. And descending into undercover operations, Kate is able to infiltrate the seedy side of the city in ways her fellow detectives can't. She's a seductress, an exotic foreign medium, or a rich train passenger, all depending upon the day and the robber, the thief, or murder she's been assigned to. Murder she's been assigned to nap. Inspired by the real story of Kate Warren, this spirit and novel follows the detectives rise during one of the nation's greatest times of crisis. Boom! I can't <laughs> wait to read this. Yeah, I lied. There's actually there. I do have a book that's a potential wine woman awards book, but not confirmed yet. You reminded me of it. Sorry. Okay, continue. All right. Well, I should go on to your yours. All right. So my and uh, that is a. Hopeful Wine Women Awards book. We are mm -hmm. crossing our fingers. Leaving um, a confirmation. <coughs> my hopeful for uh, Wine Women Awards is The Race for Paris, um, which Diana texted me about today. And I pretty much, I read the first maybe four words of the synopsis and stopped reading and texted her back and was like, yes! <laughs> Uh, and then I went back and read the whole thing and realized that it's the whole thing sounds as amazing as the first four words. But let me find the actual premise for this. Okay, so The Race for Paris is by Meg Waite Clayton. And here's the premise. Uh, all right, Normandy, 1944. Well, actually, let me just give you, like, the total, like, really super brief. Uh, the New York Times bestselling author of The Wednesday Sisters returns with a moving and powerfully dynamic World War II novel about two American journalists and an Englishman who together raced the Allies to occupy Paris for the scoop of their lives. I stopped reading after journalists and was totally on board. Uh, there is a super long synopsis about it, but here's like the meat of the matter. Based on daring real life female reporters on the front lines of history, like Margaret Burke White, 
Lee Miller and Martha Gellhorn, and with cameos by other famous faces of the time, The Race for Paris is an absorbing atmospheric saga full of drama, adventure, and passion. Combining riveting storytelling with expert literary craftsmanship and thorough research, Meg Wakeley crafts a compelling, resonant read. So, so that I'm, was like written for Michelle. Yeah, I need to read this book like yesterday, and um, we have emailed Meg to see if she would be interested in joining us. So, because that sounds like another possibility too. Uh, she's the other one that we're we're thinking about, or we're hoping will, because as we mentioned, she's. Um, we messaged her and we're just waiting for confirmation. Uh, so my next one, I'm going to actually pick up. But yeah, that one just, it just screamed, Michelle. It totally just screamed. And it was like, oh my God, I got maybe down to like just past where you read. And I was like, okay, all right, Michelle needs to read this. So no pressure, Meg and. And Greer, um, no pressure at all. Greer. <laughs> Because, I mean, really, who doesn't want to spend an hour with us reading reading wine? Reading, reading wine. books and talking and drinking wine and talking because we're just charming as all hell. Rich is making weird faces at us, but I don't care. He's judging. He's just jealous. <laughs> as he plays his World of Warcraft. Ah. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> Well, my next book is a book that I got a while back, and I've been meaning to read, and I need to read it. I just haven't gotten around to it. And it's The um, the Princess Diaries. That's the one I had to get up and get instead of using my phone. Um, and basically, it's the journal entries and discussions of um, behind the scenes at... Uh, on during Star Wars, during the making of Star Wars. And it's by Carrie Fisher. It's the last book that she wrote um, before she died. And she's just a phenomenal writer. Um, I think she was, um, people never really, uh, you know, gave her the due credit for her writing before she died. That I had no idea writer. that she was a writer either. Yeah, she wrote, um, I want to say like three or four books. <coughs> Um, Postcards from the Edge, which is another one um, I haven't read. To be honest, I haven't read much of her stuff. Um, there's Postcards from the Edge. There was um, another nonfiction one. Um, oh, gosh. Wishfully Drinking or something like that, where she talked about her life, and it was more of a memoir thing. And I saw her um, stand-up that was kind of loosely based on that. Um, but I didn't really – I didn't know about Postcards from the Edge, and I didn't read her first one because for me, uh, I'm not a big nonfiction person unless I'm really, really, really into the subject. And, or if it's like satisfying a curiosity um, aspect for me. And yeah, I didn't pick up, pick that up. And that wasn't until after her death that I was like, oh shit, I really missed out on this. So yeah, I've been meaning to read that one. Hmm. Well, I, so I have a, a small stack right here. Um, this is, um, It Can't Happen Here by Sinclair Lewis, um, and this was written in, uh, 1935, and, uh... Cause he wrote The Jungle, didn't he? No, that was Upton Sinclair. Oh, okay. 
Um, I knew there was a Sinclair in there. Sa same name. Well, same okay. one of the names. So, all right. This kind of, the reason I bought this is, you know, everyone's buying uh, 19, 1984 mm -hmm. right now. The Orson Welles, or also Orson Welles book. That's like a huge new bestseller right now because of everything that's going on in the country politically. I feel like I need to reread that book. I never read it, but I might have to read it. But um, this was kind of when I was just browsing through Amazon. This was another one that kind of popped up, and I thought it sounded interesting. So uh, it, uh, it Can't Happen Here is the only one of Sinclair Lewis's later novels to match the power of Main Street, Babbitt, and Aerosmith, a cautionary tale about the fragility of democracy. It is an alarming, eerily timeless look at how fascism can, could take hold in America. Written during the Great Depression when the country was largely oblivious to Hitler's aggression, it juxtaposes sharp political satire with the chillingly realistic rise of a president who became a dictator to save the nation from welfare cheats, sex, crime, and a liberal press. Called A Message to Thinking Americans by the Springfield Republican when it was published in 1935, It Can't Happen Here is a shockingly prescient uh, novel that remains as fresh and contemporary as today's news. So, so I thought that was kind of fitting. You know, I think we may have to reconsider the classification of it, yeah. but um, I have a feeling that this is going to be a book that's going to piss me off a lot. <laughs> <coughs> but I'm really excited to read it. Uh, the main thing when I go to pick a, a new book, and not like a Wine, Women, and Words book that I know that like I have to read, it's really hard for me to, to pick one. So I always like go and it, it's like the biggest decision of my day is what what book to grab from the shelf. But I really want to read that one, I think. I go by, um, it's almost like water divining for me when it comes to picking a book. Where I'm kind of, I, I, I don't have the, the water uh, wand yet, but I'm like, uh, this one. This one's the one that I'm feeling right now. Like right now I'm reading, um, in addition to the One Woman Awards book, I'm reading Mademoiselle Chanel. Mm -hmm. And... I was just really into a C.W. Gortner mood. I was listening to uh, Confessions of uh, Catherine Medici in the car because I have a long commute. So um, I, I've been doing audiobooks and I've been, I was listening to that and I was like, oh, I really. And then because of the trip in, in the fall, I'm like, oh, I want to listen to. I'm all about anything French, anything that has to do with France. So that um, Coco Chanel, her story um, came up. So I was like, ooh, I gotta read that one now. So my, my turn? Okay. My next one is um, Swing Time by Zadie Smith. And if my phone will pull that up again, I can give you a brief synopsis. Uh, basically, two brown girls dream of being dancers, but only one, Tracy, has talent. The other one has ideas about rhythm and time about black bodies and black music about what constitutes a tribe or makes a person truly free um, and this book bounces between london and west africa and i've been going through a josephine baker phase which i suppose you can call it a phase um 
because I got really into her history there for a little bit with all things 1920s and swing time just totally it it scratches that itch um and I always want to when I read historical fiction one of the things I love is that I can read about people and places and things and just well, books in general I can read about people's people and places and things I haven't heard about before and that I want to learn about and I don't know much about black history beyond your general slave narration that you have in the US. <laughs> so this one just really appeals to me on all those different levels. I was just reading an article on um, a Chicago, a ballet instructor out here who has um, pioneered this new type of ballet called um, hip play. And he he's basically combined hip hop and ballet and um, it's kind of crazy to watch because these dancers, they're, they're on point. They're, you know, in point shoes, so they're, they're up in the ballet thing, but they're, like, doing hip-hop dancing. And um, I feel like my ankles would snap if I tried doing that, but I, my ankles would snap if I tried to get up on point shoes regardless. I would trip and fall on my face, knocked out a few teeth, give myself some but, Right? Um, but I read it was a really interesting article about um, the backlash that he's getting because of the new style of dancing. And um, but he one of the things that he said is so great is it's starting to attract more African American people, not just girls, but you know girls and boys to ballet because it's you know it's a new type of dancing. But that just made me think of it because it's like he's trying to do something new and he's getting so he's getting so much flack for it. And um, one of the quotes in the article was, you know, if he said that if he believes that if he were white and he um, created this, he would be like heralded a you know a, um, what's the word I'm looking for um, like a genius for for creating a new style of dancing, but since he's not, he's facing all this backlash for, you know, putting his dancers in danger for injury by encouraging this kind of dance. But and it's really crazy to watch. And you're always going to have that that population where they clutch their pros and they're like, oh my god, this is this is new, this is different, this isn't right, this is a change. Uh, like I was just reading that in Mademoiselle Chanel where they were freaking out over an opera um, that she went to see that in today's standards we'd be like eh. but back then it was just like oh my god no this isn't right you don't mess with opera wow um my next book so this i had hoped it was my goal to read this before the series camp comes out on hulu but um i don't think that's gonna happen but it's the handmaid's tale by Margaret Atwood. Um, Diana, I know, has refused to try to read this because she watched the movie. I, too, I feel like more and more this stuff is happening and Margaret Atwood is such a legendary author that I feel like I need to. I really should. <laughs> and I've started reading, I think I read maybe like the first chapter of it. Um, 
But it's kind of funny, like you'll note I'm noticing a theme, like at least the first two books that I've picked. Um, so if you haven't seen any commercials for the Hulu series, I think it comes out on like I think I said the April twenty sixth. Yeah, I plan on watching the Hulu series. I want to see how I do with the Hulu series. Because it is a disturbing story. And for someone like me, where I really get involved with the, the current goings-on with political stuff, and I, I really, I end up caring and then, like, getting really upset, That that's where that book gets me, is that it's so realistic and so just gritty and raw that I'm just like, and it's so, it gets hits all those fair points that you have as a woman in today's society, especially in light of uh, some of the current events that occurred today uh, with women's health care that I just, um, it just, I get disturbed and it's, it, I get really, really upset by it. So even now just talking well, about it's it. Like, it's so, I mean, even just reading the synopsis from um, it can't happen here. It sounds like, plausible now and that's what's so scary about it is it, it's not I feel like it's not that far removed from the realm of possibilities mm -hmm. but um, so The Handmaid's Tale this is the synopsis Alfred is a handmaid in the Republic of Gilead she may leave the home of the commander and his wife once a day to walk to food markets whose signs are now pictures instead of words because women are no longer allowed to read she must lie on her back once a month and pray that the commander makes her pregnant because in an age of declining births, Offred and the other handmaids are valued only if their ovaries are viable. Offred can remember the years before when she lived and made love with her husband Luke, when she played with and protected her daughter, when she had a job, money of her own, and access to knowledge. But all of that is gone now. Funny, unexpected, horrifying, and altogether convincing, the Handmaid's Tale is at once scathing satire, dire warning, and tour de force. So, I feel like, I mean, again, I feel like it's not, maybe when the book was written, it was kind of like, that could never happen. But I feel like now, I mean, I, I hope that would never happen, that women I mean, wouldn't. just look at, like, Saudi Arabia, where you have, um, you know, the idea of women driving is, you know, just a totally new concept. Um, women, you know, there was issues with women wearing playing sports because they might break their hymen. If they break their hymen, they lose their virginity, and therefore they're you know, not viable to be wives. And so it's, yeah, it, it, it seems so far away for America, but yet, here we are where sometimes it feels like we're on the brink of it, especially when we have a discussion about women's health care and there's not a goddamn woman in the room to discuss it. Not even one to say, hey, yes, mammograms are necessary and should be covered by insurance. Just saying. <laughs> we ranted about this earlier today, so that's why. I'm going to slam yeah. my wine cup down. It makes me so angry. <laughs> But if they ever outlawed reading for women, like, seriously, I would be in jail. I'd be like, all these books are my husband's, and <laughs> secretly be reading. Um, if I can't what? read, why live? What? I don't read. Yeah, my father is one of those where he's like, just let me, when I get old, just let me sit in my retirement home with my books, and if I can't read my books anymore, just go ahead and let me go. I'm like, okay. 
yet, but I feel that way too. Can't read my books, just let me go. <laughs> All right, so my next book, getting on to happier subjects. Yeah, my next one is much happier too. Okay. Mine is, because I'm obsessed with the 1920s in general. Um, and my next book that I really want to read that's actually on my summer to be read list, I think it's at the top of my summer to be read list, um, which may start in May because I get really excited for summer. Um, I love summer and fall, by the way. But anyways, getting to my book and stuff, uh, going off topic, is uh, Villa America. Um, if you've read Z, which you'll read, um, you'll find that the, uh, the, the Fitzgeralds and the Hemingways have these friends, the Murphys, and they built this villa in, in the 1920s, obviously, in France. And the members of a uh, group of expat Americans who, that's who the uh, Murphys are. <laughs> they are. They were known for their fabulous parties and for making the Riviera into the glamorous place it is today. The freewheeling days were filled with champagne and caviar, but these were people who kept secrets and who were, of course, heartbreakingly human. This is a stunning story about the lost generation, about a marriage, about a golden age, which could not last. I can't read that. I can't wait to read that. I can't wait to sit in my pool and float around and read it. Um, and get wonderfully sunburned because I've got so lost in the book that I forgot to put an extra sunscreen. It's a good reason to get sunburned, I feel like. If you're going to suffer, you got to make it worth it. Absolutely. And this time I'll make sure that it's even, unlike when I read uh, The Semper Sonnet in the pool, I ended up with a sunburn. I was tilted, so I ended up with a sunburn on half my body. And not the other half. I get like splotchy sunburns. So I'll get like like a weird shaped sunburn on my shoulder and then it'll like go away and it'll reappear on the back of my leg. It's very annoying. But my next pick, and just looking at the clock, I'm guessing this will probably be my last one, even though I have three others on the list. I've got two others on my list, so we can do, do two more. Okay. So the next one that I have is um, Lost in a Book. It's the Beauty and the Beast kind of spinoff one by Jennifer Donnelly. And so this takes place, I'm guessing, while Belle lives in the castle before the beast turns back into a place. So, smart, bookish Belle, a captive in the Beast's castle, so yeah, uh, has become accustomed to her new home and has befriended its inhabitants. When she comes upon Nevermore, an enchanted book unlike, unlike anything else she has seen in the castle, Belle finds herself pulled into its pages and transported to a world of glamour and, and intrigue. The adventures Belle has always imagined, the dreams she was forced to give up when she became a prisoner, seem within reach again. The charming and mysterious characters Belle meets within the pages of Nevermore offer her glamorous conversation, a life of dazzling Parisian luxury, and an e and even a reunion she never thought possible. Here, Belle can have everything she has ever wished for, but what about her friends in the Beast's castle? Can Belle trust her new companions inside the pages of Nevermore? Is Nevermore's world even real? Belle must uncover the truth about the book before she loses herself in it forever. Huh. Dun, dun, dun. Interesting. Hmm, you'll have to let me know how that is. I won't. 
Again, another book I had hoped to finish before I went to see the movie, but that didn't happen. <laughs> There's still time till Sunday. Um, for me, my next one is The Tea Girl of Hummingbird Lane by Lisa C. And Lisa, <coughs> her books, I've got like all of her books on my to read list. I just haven't been able to get to any of them. And this one is just so good that um, I don't think I could, I, I can withstand waiting on this one anymore. Uh, basically, um, you know, it's about a family that lives on a, just to summarize it, a, land, a family that lives on a tea uh, plantation, um, and they've been doing it for years, and then one of the characters gets accidentally pregnant, and then the kid goes up for adoption, and so it's all about their lives and, and whatnot, and it just sounds just so compelling and so beautiful, and, you know, tea. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one that, that we were emailing about the other day, right? Yes. Yeah, that, that book sounds like it's going to make me cry, which is fine. I have nothing against books that make me cry, but I just need to be prepared for them. Mm -hmm. um, super quick. Um, I have been anxiously waiting for the next uh, Dan Brown novel. Um, and it will be coming out in October this year. It's called Origin, and it's another Robert Langdon book, and I love Robert Langdon, so I'm really excited for that book to come out. Um, I don't even know what it's about, to be honest. Uh, I just know that it's Robert Langdon and it's Dan Brown, therefore I will read it. Um, but I know Dan is not a fan, but um, it, I think it'll be really good. And the last one that I have, well, not the last one, the last one I'm going to talk about is The Fortune Teller by Gwendolyn Stein Womack, who is the author of The Memory Painter. I was like, I know that name. Um, she <laughs> has her next book coming out in June, uh, the day before my birthday. I'm going to repeat that for the um, husband in the room. The day before my birthday. <laughs> Uh, it's called The Fortune Teller by Gwendolyn. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's Gwendolyn Womack. My bad. I have two authors, like, written, like, on different lines. So it's not Gwendolyn Stein Womack. I apologize. It's just Gwendolyn Womack. Um, and I do know what it's about, but I don't have the synopsis up in front of me. But I love the, the memory painter so much that I don't even need to know what it's about. It's just an automatic buy for me. The Memory Painter was just, I seriously, that was one of those books I really did not expect to like as much as I did. I had to read it for a review, and I had a deadline, like, on a Wednesday, my deadline was on a Wednesday, and I picked the book up on Monday going, oh, shit, I thought this was later that I had to do the review. And I picked it up on Monday, and by Tuesday at midnight, I had the book finished. It was that good. I couldn't put it down. And, of course, during the process of this, I'm messaging Michelle and she ends up picking up the book, and she got to see how wonderful that book was. Um, and Ron goes, have you gotten to the next chapter yet? Have you gotten to the next chapter yet? I need to discuss the next chapter with you. Because um, I just needed somebody to share this book with. And, yeah, I can't wait for her next book, too. I forgot about the fact that she's got another book coming out this year. Um, yes, she does. It's going to be awesome. So those are my last two. Okay, my last one... Um, my last one is the the Italian wife. There's an Italian wife, 
book and then there's the italian wife and we're gonna go with the italian wife that's the one i'm really looking forward to um she's an um isabella beretti wonderful italian name is an art architect and um basically the tragic encounter um she ends up see reluctantly isabella um a woman asks her to watch her 10 year old daughter and she agrees and then watches in horror as the woman climbs to the top of the tower the town's clock tower and steps over the edge so she agrees so right off the start she agrees to watch this kid and then the woman kills herself um so she has to deal with that and um her together with a charismatic photographer roberto falco isabella is about to discover that secrets are in deeper and are more dangerous than either of them could possibly have imagined and obviously it takes place in italy and it just sounds so fantastic i i can't wait to read it that sounds really good mm -hmm. yeah, like, i've been trying to work that in somehow okay i'm gonna have to remember that one too let me know how that is okay well it for my books i know i i mean i have i have others and of course there's definitely like i would say probably like 15 books on my bookshelf that i have been meaning to get to um there's even right one right here the devil in the white city i've started reading it but i haven't finished it yet yeah i've got books that I'm meaning to get to like the ninja's daughter and um Skylock is my name. I'm looking at my pile of books at the moment. And there's a couple others in here that I just, I have been meaning to get to. But, you know, I actually, goddamn work holds my paycheck hostage, making me actually go in and do some work. Damn it. So annoying. I know. Well, um, so be sure to join us on Sunday, the 26th, mm -hmm. 7 p.m., uh, time. Diana time. Yeah, now I'm going to have to double check because I'm like, is it 9? I don't know. I will post on our Twitter. Yeah, you do that. Well, Let me know what time I need to show up and look pretty, okay? <laughs> just, just do me that much. We're changing the day and it's messing us all up. And this this two-hour time difference, I'm, you know, all of my life it's been East Coast and West Coast. So I'm so used to the three-hour time difference. This two-hour time difference is totally throwing me off. <laughs> but it is for sure this Sunday. I will be posting like crazy between now and then um, about the episode. So all of the details will be on our Facebook and our Twitter and our Instagram. So be sure to check that out. Mm -hmm. um, and Lynn Povich will be joining us. I have a million questions. I'm clearly going to have to cut it down to like a reasonable amount. <laughs> and um and then, and then for you it, was like what 50 yeah i i don't know uh, I, I don't know i i have to show you i'll i'll show, show you on sunday but i have like passages highlighted in the book and like notes written in the margin i've never written on books before in my life but i can't not welcome to my world i did that a lot but it's it should be a really good episode i'm really excited to talk to her and then next week, we kick off Guests on Earth for Diana and Z for myself. 
so you guys can decide which one you want to read and do that or read both. All right. Well, Thank have you. a good night, and we'll see you all on Sunday. Bye. Bye.